Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. And welcome to another What Culture Wrestling podcast. I'm Michael Hamflet, who can't do the hello, as well as Michael Sidrick, who I'm joined with today to review everything that happened at oh, WWE Elimination Chamber 2022. But if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure to subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from uh, on iTunes or Spotify for daily wrestling podcasts. We review Raw, SmackDown, NXT 2.0, AEW Dynamite, AEW Rampage, pay per views, premium live events, and a round for the week, complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. But Michael Sidrick speaking of bloody we were back in saudi arabia for elimination chamber your thoughts if you have them or wish to share them on all of this and then a general overarching view on the pay-per-view as a wrestling show oh my god if i was a cynical guy with a conspiratorial mindset <laughs> and, I, and i kind of am at times i, pre- I predicted Bruce Pritchard taking over triple h's job mm-hmm. so <laughs> I, I honestly got that nailed on so if i was gonna you know are WWE intentionally making these shows and their in-ring content impossible to talk about because they get annoyed that some British dogs on YouTube <laughs> take the piss out of it? They've managed to make a product that excites somehow their core fan base who aren't going anywhere and at the same time make it immune to analysis mm. and takes in conversation. Basically, if Brock Lesnar's not doing something in this ring, that's awesome. I don't get electrified. My pulse doesn't race. I can't possibly invest in the stories, looking at gestures broadly at everything over the past however many years. I can't get emotionally invested. There's no emotional intensity to any of this. The in-ring action is largely just so there, so drab. It's especially pronounced in Saudi Arabia, where it was like, get in, get your astronomical fee, and get out. It's an mm. incredibly short show. It was made shorter still by the, the, the sheer duration of the entrances and the video packages. I think it was Brian Alvarez who timed out the in-ring to like 90 minutes. Yeah, Everything, felt like that. Yeah. Felt like that. And like the, the Elimination Chamber matches just were the shortest in history because they'd completely messed with the, the intervals. Mm. It was just, here's some wrestling. Here's some spectacular backdrops to watch the wrestling in front of, the wrestling secondary. Just obligatory kind of lifeless content, gentlemen's threes across the board, 
you can't really say anything bad about the work or anything interesting about the work. These shows are just so there. I cannot... Uh, sorry, spoiler alert, this podcast is probably not going to be good. <laughs> I can't say anything about it. Well, is that just me? Am I so numb or is that just... Because I don't really see people taking the piss out of it anymore. Mm. I don't see people going, oh, well, that match sucked or that match was great. It's just so often there. Well, I'm going to lean on a Wilbornism here because obviously I was doing the stream on Saturday. It's very different when you're watching a show through the stream. And if anything, a show going along at such a nice clip is ideal because you can't sit there getting bored in front of a camera. You, I would dread doing a Monday Night Raw stream for that exact reason, getting seen, having to watch that yeah. and try and react or summon any emotion when there wasn't really any breathing room on the show. Um, and yet, what I found most interesting about this, we will obviously go through the card match by match shortly, is that the point of moving um, these events to be significant. So the last Saudi show had the uh, big Brock and Roman match and wh which side's Paul Heyman on all that sort of thing. This one is the last stop on the road to WrestleMania. That's to make the sports washing more effective because Greatest Royal Rumble, Crown Jewel were pantomimes that were avoidable or too avoidable. And WWE and the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia didn't want that. They wanted fans to have no choice but to engage. It's all very cynical and insidious and it's kind of how this whole deal works. So they put the show in specifically to have ramifications and things that matter for WrestleMania. And as you've alluded to there, that's all well and good, but then you still need to provide the show full of talking points to make that effective. Yeah. If people watch, if people have just read the results or are listening to this podcast for an update and haven't watched the show and are only listening to us, then they've not engaged with the content despite it being on road to WrestleMania, which means the sports watching project and all the money that's being spent on it has failed. So it does behoove these shows to be better than your average as well, for more than just the obvious reasons of it's WrestleMania season. Yeah, it's insidious is the perfect word because, like, if I was a betting man, I would bet that they've sat down, KSA, WWE, and said, right, how can we do this and how can we make it work? They can't just do, right, okay, we'll do, um, I was going to say Hell in a Cell, and the more you say, like, certain WWE things. But, like, a 50-man like, Royal Rumble was the perfect example, wasn't it? Yeah. How big, how, and then was it a six fifty man Battle Royal they did that man so? Well, they were all in there, it looked... Absurd, yeah. you know. So I think the idea was that they've wanted all along to do this, to do events that you associate with premium mm. WWE content, um, unmissable shows that factor into WrestleMania, like canon shows, yeah. basically. I think the idea was at the start, we can't do that immediately. It will just feel... We need to do this sort of Saudi-verse, if you like, to try and... like <laughs> Skin, mask and wig. Yes, that's Kane what it is in Saudi verse, isn't it? Shawn like, Michaels re like returning. That's the most expensive house shows ever yeah. that people can feel like they can miss out of because it wouldn't cut as deep of what this relationship actually is all about. And I think the idea now is right. We've done the thing. We've opened this relationship with these daft, incredibly high budget firework house shows. If you like, now's the time to make it just gross and normalized and. Put it this way, when they did Greatest Royal Rumble, you'd think, oh, well, this is just what they do. They make it sound like it's a Royal Rumble. Now that they've done Elimination Chamber here, they could realistically, now that the um, the stigma mm. is sort of dulled, we're kind of dulled to this now, they could theoretically do a Royal Rumble here, a WrestleMania here. It's all a long path to WrestleMania, isn't it? Path, Seven yeah. years left of the deal or something. There's yeah, plenty of time. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, 
Speaking of something that kind of crosses the, traverses the line of both the WrestleMania-worthy match, as it once nearly was, and the Saudi-verse, we opened with Roman Reigns versus Goldberg for the Universal title on the show itself. Um, never destined to go along, and it didn't, which is probably why the video packages and entrances went on forever. Um, I have to say, watching this match live, I was extremely underwhelmed at them attempting to do the Brock Lesnar formula match and failing. It really did feel like there's nothing left for Goldberg. We They didn't attempt to do the long, the overlong Bobby Lashley match. They didn't attempt to do the, well, this is too short, you're taking the piss. And Roman Reigns was never getting squashed like the fucking feet. So they tried to find that magic sweet spot of WrestleMania 33. Yes. Uh, classic with Brock Lesnar. Only went sort of five or six minutes. It was only big moves, only big bombs getting lobbed. And yet, I still found it to be incredibly drab. I don't know if Goldberg a- Goldberg's age perhaps has finally caught up with him. It's not just the physical age. It's the age of the body. It's the wear and tear of the travel of the other matches that he's done since coming back. It's everything maybe all catching up with Goldberg in a way that was even more pronounced here when nothing went wrong than when it was against The Undertaker, when it was botchy. Um, Recap is just a bunch of spears, a little bit of stuff on the outside, your generic barricade stuff, and then Roman Reigns winning with a choke out when a Goldberg spear couldn't be... Um, couldn't be turned into the jackhammer for the win. Roman Reigns was just too big, too strong, too powerful. Nails Superman Punch and chokes him out. Goldberg passes out. He doesn't tap out, which is WB code for we might still use him. He's still sort of being protected. But to sort of like jump in on your first point with the opener, very hard to summon any emotions on this either way. They never really once toyed with a shock finish at any point. The spear never felt like it was going to get it done for Goldberg. It just lacked drama. It lacked... Like, if you've got Roman Reigns, who I love the line on SmackDown, that's a collector's item of a goddamn thing <laughs> right there. I'm just going to Goldberg, Goldberg. Yeah. And he kind of is. He's an incredibly explosive guy. Um, he's really great at this specific kind of match, except this match wasn't specifically great at all. It just felt like Goldberg has got this selling point now, and he's simply a name, and that is it. Mm-hmm. He's not a star. He's a name, and I think there's a difference between those two, but he fools enough people. Like, he does move the needle on his quarter hours whenever he goes on SmackDown, and it just felt like he comes along, he says, you're next. He works a five-minute match, the success of which is now measured on a curve of, has he almost broken his neck? Has yeah. he almost <laughs> trust himself? Has he almost really hurt his knee? Has he in, like, Is he wearing shorts because they've just called him too late? Mm. He knows what time of year it is. He's got himself a decent nick for the call. He can say you're next on TV. He can work a five-minute match that isn't very good, but he doesn't embarrass himself either, and that's kind of the goal. And they accomplished that goal, and it's an incredibly drab goal to reach, but it's so much easier than elevating someone on television to fulfill mm. that role instead of him. Um, I'm over Goldberg. We really got into Goldberg because WrestleMania 33 was great. We got into Goldberg because the Ziggler thing was the perfect use of him. And even beyond that, on a schadenfreude level... Like, is this guy going to really embarrass himself? And is it sort of just desserts for how ugly the machine is and how it works? And you're not even getting that anymore. Mm. You're not getting, Jesus Christ, Goldberg can still go a little bit. You're not getting, Jesus Christ, Goldberg's dangerous. <laughs> you're just getting, like, this really drab version of Goldberg. And this didn't out for me. There was no drama. There was no explosions. 
If he can't even do this kind of match, like what is he here for? I did notice that there was a cut on his shoulder rather than on his head. So I wondered if he barged a locker like those arseholes at school would do to you to show yes. that they were harder than you. I wonder if he was doing that backstage instead of nutting them instead because yes. he realised he still had to get out there and not <laughs> drop Roman Reigns on his head. Um, we move next to the first of the two elimination chambers. It was always likely they were going to be split off across the card. And it was the women's chamber first. You noted, of course, this went total just around the 15 minutes mark. Not something I was complaining about in terms of a live experience, to be quite honest. Um, the notables from early on was that we started with um, Nick Nikki A.S.H. and Liv Morgan, but Alexa Bliss was the last to enter, presented much like Brock Lesnar was in the main event as a big star. She was given um, a swing in her own pod, which, you know, like I'm not against them actually adding character details. This I admire the thought more than I detest the non-C implications of it. So I, like, it was clear that she was a big deal and fans were glad to have her back. I will say this, actually. We often find ourselves at a bit of a crossroads when it comes to these Saudi Arabia shows because when there is... The morally disgusting hideously so and yet when there is evidence of crowds having a good time crowds of people who have no control over the governance and nature of how their country they were born into that country and the the rules they have to follow having a really good time responding to these characters as their as the treat they are to be able to get to see them live it does it like you can't help it i i I certainly can't help it yeah it does it it sort of stirs something in you and all of these women i will say were received as stars upon entrance and within the relatively short body of the match itself um Dewdrop was, again, a highlight. She continues to kind of, you know, I go back to this a lot about maximising your minutes. It's really hard in WWE to that. It's near impossible because everything's so formatted. But there was a couple of really cool moments for her. There was a great spot where she um, trampled over uh, Rhea Ripley, I think it was, to push Liv Morgan into a pod, who then just went flailing off to the side. Liv Morgan looks great bumping in these matches. Um, in the absence of Adam Wilborn, we'll all remember what Shayna Baszler did to Liv Morgan back in 2020. Oh my, he's not here! <laughs> and she was great for it here. Um, but ultimately, this was about getting to um, the bigger stars in the match for the bigger finish. Um, it was uh, Rhea Ripley who came in before uh, Bianca Belair. Bianca Belair we knew was going to be the, the last one in. Uh, then you had Alexa Bliss coming in as the penultimate member. So you had all the big stars being like, it was very much a Vince Russo 1999 Royal Rumble where it's like, yeah, get the nobodies out of the yeah, way. Because yeah, we're yeah, saying yeah. the bigs for the end, please. There was a, a quite a cute spot where you were having the um, competitive power game between Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belair. They're always positioned as kind of 1A and 1B of Monday Night Raw. So you're doing the, the dual suplexes of the losers, which Rhea Ripley, there was quite a nice moment where Alexa Bliss's dress just kept falling over her face, but she could do it one-handed and thus move the way, like, skirt out yeah. of the way. Same with Bianca Belair doing the awesome one-handed military press on yes, Liv Morgan. So again, it wasn't that the spotlight moments weren't provided for the big stars in the match, but for the finish, it was not, again, hopefully without consequence, um, Bianca Belair hitting Rhea Ripley and eliminating her with the KOD, and then eventually eliminating Alexa Bliss last of all in a very short... Um, unexpectedly short flourish where um, she basically just slipped out of a DDP, uh, DDT, excuse me, and then uh, nailed her with a KOD as well. Um, we did say that Alexa Bliss's return was going to be stymied somewhat by a defeat here, and I do think that occurred. I think they maybe booked themselves into a bit of a corner by bringing Bliss back, but we got where we needed to go with Bianca Belair. I'm not willing to just give everybody a free pass and say, look, we told you, let it play out. We've got back to WrestleMania. Why did you have to beat her in 27 seconds? Why did you have to do a rematch that had a false finish? It's not just as easy as, see, see, bad faith actors, WWE would plan this all along. Don't make the mess to then clean the mess up. Yes. That's always kind of like what we preach on this podcast. But Bianca Belair does feel as hot as she's been in months heading into the WrestleMania match with Lynch. I'm going to be nice about this with the following take. If you watch this match, there's a swing inside a pod. So on the surface, what we're about to say sounds ridiculous. (laughs) 
you'd be forgiven for thinking that Raw's women's division, and indeed WWE's women's division in general, wasn't in complete disarray. Yeah. If you watched this and hadn't watched the TV, and you're just a very casual viewer who just watches the premium live events on Peacock, you'd think, ah, they haven't completely massacred any integrity or prestige or continuity or anything about this division because what you saw here was 15 compact minutes in which everyone got a star reaction. Some of the action was a total over-delivery on the television we, we've been subjected to of late. And it was genuinely, I would say, an over-delivery is the nicest way of putting it across. Like, the 15 minutes thing, it depends on your perspective whether this is good or not. One, it's clearly like a way of just getting the business done and we'll get back to the States and don't take any huge bumps here, save it for WrestleMania or whatever. But at the same time, like a, a cynical thing can also be productive. This felt like no frills. Yeah. This felt like they weren't trying to overexpose the women by like making them, this is a classic 35 to 40 minute match. It's beholden to this really ultra violent standard in the past and people expect a four and a half star match. So you're going to go out there and do it whether you're really truly capable of doing it or not. I welcome the change to the four, uh, the Elimination Chamber dynamic. Mm. It's died a death as a gimmick match, I would say. It's not something that feels dangerous or feels momentous. Like with so much else in WWE, it just feels completely overdone, overexposed, diluted. I welcome the change in format. I didn't feel it was like necessarily cynical or like patronizing to give them such a short amount of time. It just felt like if you're going to maximize your resources... That's probably better than just the endless flab we get in WWE. Yeah. So I was happy with the format. I was happy with the construction. I think virtually every single woman did something genuinely worthy of praise in this match. A complete over-delivery without being an exceptional match. It's way more, the Elimination Chamber, as of this iteration of it, is way more of a Royal Rumble in a cage than it is its own stipulation, isn't it? Yes. You, kind of, you only notice that they've got these other props or these other things to use half the time the rest of the time it's more about a countdown to somebody coming out or how are they going to make the difference when they get in there so i agree with you i think don't try and do something that you can't when you can actually make people's experience yeah. of the night overall better with these quite snappy run times um sticking with the women's division and um, we had charlotte flair and sonia deville versus ronda rouse and naomi next did mention this in the last match but obviously as usual the women are all covered up we'd gone from beyond the sunday market t-shirts to um customized bodysuits the women like I was going to say, to a man, to a woman, all looked awesome on this show. They did at least feel like they retained their star quality rather than just being this novelty attempt by WWE to continue to influence the world. And that extends especially to Ronda Rousey, who wore her Olympic um, blue judo gi with the black belt for the night. She had her arm tied by her side. She wasn't wearing boots, so I do wonder if it's going to be like Kez in Bow Select, where we're going to have to cut her feet off. But... Um, <laughs> Other than that, like it was again like a nice use of uh, the, uh, the the situation that they find themselves in for Ronda to be able to wear that as a bit of a special case for the night, um, and the fact that with one hand it wasn't quite tied behind her back but tied to her side, it was actually going to play into the story as well. She's going to have to rely on the judo background because she can do with one arm what most of us can't do with two, and that was pretty much what we got. She um, took on what I always like to consider the Maria Menounos role, which is. How come she's the one taking the heat? Yes. Which, like, she was in there for a long time taking a beating, but she was at least disadvantaged. The fans were banging to Naomi. They've remained banging to Naomi since 2020, so when she came back at the Royal Rumble, so it's going to be one of them things where, yet again, people are going to be optimistic for a push that's never going to come. Um, but yeah, it was mostly kind of rote, heel beat down stuff, teasing out a hot tag, teasing out a hot tag, and then once Naomi had had the hot tag, it wasn't that long before you were doing the same thing with Ronda Rousey again. It never really veered from the WWE formula. Sonya Deville noted um, that her arm was actually healed and that she shook that off at the start to theoretically disadvantage Ronda Rousey more. But um, 
I have to say, so Ronda gets the win for the team um, when Charlotte Flair stands on the apron looking down at Ronda holding Sonya Deville in the armbar and then Charlotte Flair electing, nah, not today, don't fancy it. She was very Charlotte Flair about it and refuses to tell fear. She always has to sell herself as being above it rather yes. than just be a bit more, show some ass, be a bit scared of it. That's, that's abs- It's Ronda Rousey. You can be scared of that. But she be- didn't betray Sonya Deville, which she said, not tonight, not for me. Uh, the baby faces get the win. And I think, overall, Ronda's best night back so far. Yeah, but look at the curve. Like, look yeah, at the yeah, yeah. Curve. Um, yeah, this is okay. A lot of stalling as well, which was theoretically done to tease out the idea that he wanted to see um, the Charlotte Flair versus Ronda Rousey confrontation. Quietly, I projected total and utter disaster because Charlotte Flair and Ronda Rousey, in terms of, I said, I put it in a podcast when we were previewing me and um, Wilborn, the, the, the first SmackDown confrontation. Like I put it like this. Neither woman can say anything even in a likable cadence, <laughs> yeah. let alone like a decent bit of verbiage in WWE script. And I thought it was just all kinds of doomed quietly by sort of integrating the, the Sonya Deville and Naomi conflict to this and furthering that at this event. They've limited the amount of time that they can just say awful things to one another in an incredibly unlikable way. Yeah. So fair play, WWE, for that. They actually really do a great amount of anything for me, if I'm being perfectly honest. But Ronda Rousey... This is as decent a way of any as you're a bit rusty for reasons that, like, I couldn't fathom. Yep. I'd never given birth. <sighs> Bad enough, buddy. Stay in the house. <laughs> so, yeah, that is okay. It's not my kind of thing. A judo throw with one arm mm. when you're still looking like you've taken someone's shoulder out of the socket is still quite impressive. The one arm piper's pit and stuff like that. Yeah. The things she can just do because she can. This yeah. was way, way, way more encouraging. Is the, is it, this is the word. This is more encouraging than anything I've seen out of Ronda since I come back without being anything blow away. Like, I'll still have the memories of WrestleMania 34 burned in my head because, as you all remember, me, you, and Murray watched it together, mm. popping our goddamn tits off. And really popped my tits off at this. No. At the same time, I was terrified by how badly it was going to turn out at this year's Royal Rumble. So, small gains, not electrified halfway encouraged that this isn't going to be a total dud of a run. Yeah, at the moment, they're only stepping over low bars. Yes. But at what point, it's WrestleMania, it's Charlotte's Ronda, we're going to have to raise that bar. Yeah. yeah. Um, next, we go to Drew McIntyre versus Madcap Moss. This was force count anywhere, no disqualification, etc. So most of it played out as we expected as a handicap match where Happy Corbin was constantly trying to get involved. Drew batting back double teams as much as he could. Um, it was early doors, a lot out on the floor. Um, not a lot of exciting spots out on the floor, which I think was the problem. They did a cool couple of bits on the ramp where Corbin was briefly chased off and then you had them at least transition into a match happening in the ring which was of course where the big talking spot talking airpoint spot took place uh, Drew went for his Alabama slam on Madcap Moss which Madcap Moss seemed to want to almost roll through Lucha style and take with a roll and instead ended up landing hard on his head and neck it was really scary I think like the, the pro wrestlers programmed to tuck the head for virtually every single move. yeah so when they don't it's like oh I mean, it looks, that reverse Alabama slam would be scary to take, hands up, face down, wouldn't yes. it? You are staring at a canvas coming at you at, a, at quite a pace. So I do kind of understand his thinking. But yeah, it was it was really scary. But a trainer took a quick look at him. And then the match continued. And then WWE gave us the slow motion replays. So that was the best we could do to assume that, oh, well, he's fine enough. Yes. Like He's, he's not like going to be like, have to be carted out there right now. So he got through that at least. And then over the weekend, it's, it seemed that he's going to be okay for the most part. So they've, they've got away with one and they've got a pretty grizzly looking spot out the back of it as well um ultimately 
The heels took advantage very briefly, but Drew fought back exactly as you would expect him to do. Angela was very briefly introduced into the match as uh, Drew gave, went swinging for uh, Happy Corbin's head in one of the countries where that spot is obviously theoretically possible. And then we go to the finish where Drew mirrored Triple H using a sledgehammer behind his hand Hitting a claymore, holding the sword. So they continue. Got a sword. They continue. Sword's a thing. To never imply. F- never forget the sword's a thing. They continue to imply that the use of the weapon that can never be used is being used. It's the strangest thing. This is the exact same problem as the, as the gender build. Can we not just go back to him putting it in the floor and making Pyro happen? Anyway, he beats Madcap Moss with relative ease. Um, and ultimately, as the, um, the match is fading into the various advertising or whatever followed, we're left with, um, predictably, McIntyre and Corbin. Screaming at each other from a distance through the invisible wall because Drew's getting Corbin at WrestleMania. The poor guy. <laughs> he, he's never going to get his moment. It's, it's dead. Yeah, yeah, it's all dead for him. This is what you bloody want out of a Saudi show, isn't <laughs> it? Horrendous, horrendous looking spots, complete with tone deaf optics. Minging. Yeah. This is what you want, isn't it? <laughs> you get a little bit of a wry, perverse, Schadenfreude smile on your face when you watch a match like this. Look, obviously, we're being facetious. Like, that was a horrific looking bump, incredibly ugly. I don't think anyone watched that with a soul thinking, gee, I'm just glad he's okay. You can't possibly, it seems so trivial to complain. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. About, you can complain about it when I know that Madcap Moss is absolutely 100% fine. But it feels like trivial to complain about a completely dull, tedious match at WrestleMania because that's sort of the main story. It's hard, it overshadowed the match completely. No one remember a goddamn thing that happened in it about a week later other than that horrific bump. Um, but it's just does nothing for me at all. Yeah, Glorified handicap match. The babyface has got no friends. We know that was going to be a handicap match. Ultimately, this all succeeds or fails on whether you are happy that the babyface is one step closer to getting his hands on the nefarious heel. And the idea is, well, that match is going to be really boring. Yeah. So how like, how could this match work, knowing that it is meant to create 
a bit of vengeance, a bit of go on lad ahead of the match that is going to be incredibly boring if it's not like a two-minute squash. That's the direction they have to take at Mania, surely. I would think so, and they're probably going to write in some sort of something to fill the TV time of Madcap Moss not being able to be ringside so that that too doesn't just play as a handicap match. And that's a shame because Moss is partner. Compared to Happy yes. Corbin, he's a funnier of the two and he looks better and people like the braces and the weird gear and stuff. And just, yeah, I think he's the more, he's actually the more interesting of the two, but you know it's WWE and why they think Corbin's that you got it, you got to save the Corbin match, you know, yeah. like the first one on the whiteboard sort of thing. This is the man that went 10 with Elias in a gym. In like one of the saddest oh, early months Jesus of the pandemic. Jesus Christ. You know, so like, oh, on that, it was so friggin' funny. You know what Meltzer's thoughts on Baron Corbin are. Mm. I distinctly remember, like, we were talking earlier, actually, about one of the few moments you felt joy during the pandemic. Yes. The early days of the pandemic. We were talking about a musical artist called Eve's Tumor, who's mm. like music on six music in the UK here. It was like, it's the first time I actually was sort of like nodding along and thinking, and like 10 seconds, I caught myself nodding along thinking, you're not depressed for 10 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. One of the other times wrestling related on a wrestling podcast that I wasn't depressed is when um, Dave Meltzer was doing the rundown of the WrestleMania's 36 card. I was like sat at home, obviously incredibly depressed about my lot. And he was going through the Observer, WrestleMania 36. Was it uh, Corbin versus Elias? Yeah. He's going through the card. He's like going, well, there's no um, fans, so this is going to affect the quality of this match. But it was like a preview. Um, so it's like, John Cena versus uh, The Fiend. Oh, we don't know much about this gimmick. It's a secretive, um, probably a cinematic match. Um, Kevin Owens versus Seth Rollins. So, you know, it'll be really bittersweet, but they'll really sort of bump hard. And he went through the whole rundown of every single match and what he thought it was going to be like. And it was just Elias versus Baron Corbin. No, no copy. This match was happening as well. And funnily enough, I can't remember a single thing that happened from that match. It's exactly how it played yes. out, pretty much, yeah. I, um yeah, I don't want to think about that WrestleMania. It's just too sad, isn't it? It's still too sad. Once it's too sad. Apparently, it's all over because the UK is going to learn to live with COVID. It's not all over. Uh, the worst thing we should say this as we're recording, the Queen's got it. Yeah, no. Like, the worst thing is like not only is it not over, not only is there the threat of like a potential mutation or whatever a variant. Everything's tentative, mm. like in a way that it's never been before. Because I personally, if I st I'll test myself asymptomatic regularly, and if I test positive. I'm not, oh, I'm allowed. Yeah, like, that's right, yeah. It's not like seven-day lockdown anymore, is it? It's just going to be, well, do what you like. Yeah. Do what you think is best. Do what you think is best. Well, I'm going to isolate. <laughs> the worst thing is like everything's tentative. Mm, forever. Everything's tentative forever. So once all of that's gone, and that feeling of, all right, okay, it's completely gone, or we've got such an immunity wall that no one, even the worst, like, immunocompromised people like that, we'll be fine. Once there's a definitive line in the sand, in the whole, oh, everything's tentative. Oh, I'm going to buy a gig ticket. Oh, there's always a possibility it could just mm. go up. Like, you never had that feeling before, ever before this. No. Once this is finally over, I disagree with you. I'm going to watch Elias versus Baron Corbin at WrestleMania 36 and put my feet up and just think, this is what life used to be like. Never forget that every day going forward, it's not going to be like this. I hope we're still working together when we're in like our 50s or something, when that actually happens. Yes, Confirm you. I'll, I'll hold you to it. I'll remind yeah. you of the Saudi Arabia podcast we recorded. Um, to something far more entertaining than uh, Corbin and Elias from WrestleMania, Becky Lynch versus Lita. We talked in the build-up to this match that save for the very, very cheesy acting done by Becky Lynch about being tired and being kept awake by the threat of Lita, that this had like not flown under the radar because they were two of the only stars on Raw, but it was surprisingly good. 
Um, they're not always the strongest talkers, and yet they were cutting pretty good promos. Lita was never known for a tight physicality, shall we say, and yet the one exchange they had on Raw was pretty awesome. And most of that extended out to this match. Both were received as enormous stars. Um, we say this all the time on Raw, when nobody's over, like the fans have no reason to invest and no reason to care. These two were both massively over and were thus treated as such, and it aided the match, which was largely quite basic. Becky Lynch was doing the heel stuff that she's been doing since winning the title, which is really pleasing, but typically that's against somebody who, uh, who she then has to suppress. Your Bianca Belairs, your Sasha Banks, the wrestlers, who she's got to think about, right, how can I deal with their clear and present danger? The whole point with Lita is she doesn't really know what that is. So every time Lita was um, like sweeping a leg or firing back with a, a hold that we haven't seen out of Lita in years, Becky Lynch was looking rattled and looking shocked. She goes for the uh, holding the rope pinfall that's helped her so much, but Lita has done her homework in a way that Becky didn't expect, and she's just more experienced, and all this stuff was tied into it. We got what we asked for, which was the one moment where you were asked to think the unthinkable, which was that Lita, in a match and a program that clearly just exists for this one month, for this one show, is going to win the title. It's the same ask as trying to make you believe that Goldberg is going to beat Roman Reigns. Different context, but it is effectively the same thing. And they did it. Lita hits the twist of fate, goes up top for the moonsault, and only gets a two count. Um, I think it was a spot you predicted of Becky attempting the moonsault herself and doing it just to be like... As a flex, more than anything else, she's big time Bex now. She's got to level up to Lita, and if she can do the moonsault mentally, she's in her head. And if it wasn't then, it was certainly when she kicked out of the uh, the moonsault and twist of fate. Lita, brilliantly for me, sold how rattled... Like, she's been out the game so long that yeah. when somebody kicks out from that combo, what more can she do? She was kind of lost in that moment, and ultimately Becky sort of tied things up from there. Um, Lita already kicked out from a manhandle slam, but the second one was enough for Becky to get the win. Um, yet again... Like timed and agented really well in terms of trying to make the show a better experience than having one five-star match. This wasn't a five-star match, but it was a three-plus ten-minute. And this whole Becky Lynch-Lita thing, I think we can classify as a massive over-delivery. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Roman Reigns said ahead of the show that he was going to Goldberg-Goldberg, and Lita Goldberg-Goldberg here by yeah. being a veteran who entered an incredibly admirable performance. And uh, Again, the optics of it happening on Saudi are always going to be bittersweet, but this is a woman. One of my least favourite things in wrestling in the way like it is sort of unfolded over the 2000s, is that when Lita and Edge had an affair at the expense of Matt Hardy and Edge's wife or partner at the time, Edge was like, oh, you got really entertaining on the back of that. Mad mm. Shagger Edge, aren't you great? Like, oh, go on, yeah. men. And you're entertaining, and you shag around, and you're just this class character. Oh, shame on you, Lita, you whore. Yeah. You absolute Vilified you nightly. shouldn't have done that. And like, Edge was the guy, he was the mad shagger, and Lita was the whore, basically. Mm. And... I really hope that the first thing you think of Lita, if you're not thinking of the Hardy Boys, is oh she got slut shamed on the way out of WWE TV. There's incredibly ugly, mean spirited. Like even by WWE standards, it was so mean spirited that it's kind of overshadowed all of it. I really hope Saudi or not, this goes in her favor and uh, it really adds to her legacy as a performer. It was just a nice time. It was. Uh, it wasn't a blowaway match. It wasn't incredibly electrifying. I thought they did a basic story very, very well. I thought Lita. Dare I say it, like the dark arts of selling might have been the fact that she's not really an athlete anymore or might have informed her selling, but I just thought she did a really good bit of business here. Like, I wasn't moved by it, but at the same time, I thought they did a commendable job. And I don't want to be patronizing because I thought there was a there's an elegance to the way Lita worked this match. Mm. Becky Lynch just acting 
was not only was it bad in itself for that particular kick-out moment, but it didn't need two shows in a row that as well, yeah. where she's done the Ruby Soho gift face with the dewdrop again, like yeah. completely overstating the significance of that moment when you can just crack on with trying to win the match. Absolutely. So not only did it annoy me that it was just so hammy and immersion breaking in itself, but I don't think that needed that big sort of Oscar nom performance. Mm because I didn't think Lita needed to be oversold. I thought she did a tremendous job yeah. under the circumstances. It's, it's, uh, sorry, I was it, on Becky Lynch. Um, we continue to have this strange push and pull where the heel character has to fight to get the booze in the buildings. But this run of matches she's on, she seems way more locked in uh, in ring than she ever did as yeah, a baby face. There's a level of consistency that's achieved as a heel. I think she's chasing the acclaim that Sasha and Bianca got last year. Yeah. That's what she's... I mean, and that's a huge thing to work towards. If they can assemble anything close to um, Banks and Belair from last year's WrestleMania, they'll have done a hell of a job. Yeah. But this Becky Lynch run has made me think they might. Yeah. She's been really good in the heel role. This is another string to a bow. Um, it's just... She's still completely miscast. Yeah, absolutely. Issue. She did a great job under... Possibly even selfish circumstances. It was her decision. Like this company needs baby faces. You should be it. Mm. We go to the best thing on the show next. Um, the Usos jumping the Viking Raiders from behind, and that match not taking place oh, because the yes. feud is total garbage. Uh, the Usos have had the number almost entirely. Uh, they might try and be cheeky enough now to actually try and heat this up properly for a WrestleMania tag match. But quite frankly, if that does happen, I want the same thing to happen again. Indeed. There's nothing quite like a match on a WWE view not taking place when you thought it would. I think it's nailed on to be a New Day Usos ladder match. They've yes. realised that they've done yeah. this feud to death. There's only one thing they haven't done, and it's the thing that the tag teams get to do at Mania. I'll be stunned if that isn't the direction. I think you're probably right there. The, um, one thing we didn't touch on, because I forget where it was dropped in, in the show, there was a brief interview with The Miz. Um, on the kickoff, he defeated... Um, sorry, he'd lost to Rey Mysterio. Uh, Dominic had tried to interfere, been sent out, but then as he was being sent out, Rey Mysterio won anyway. So The Miz was kind of pissed off that there was two of them and only one of him. And he says he's going to get on the phone to a, um, a star mate of his for a, to, to even the odds in what we assume is going to be WrestleMania. Immediate buzz for yeah, Cody, yeah. which was piss funny at the even idea that... Um, oh, we've got you back. We're going to put you in with The Miz. I, I know I pitched it kind of pessimistically. I'll probably fight The Miz. It's a very WWE thing. And then all of a sudden people are panicking and we're going to tag team. In the wash over the weekend, it has come out that it's probably going to be Logan Paul. Have I got the right Paul brother? No, one of them. One of the Paul Same brothers difference. anyway. They're both cocks. Have you got any thoughts on uh, The Miz and a Paul versus The Mysterios? On Saturday, like I can't have out. I, 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 I live a very privileged life. I can't have my Saudi Arabia show at the normal time. <laughs> Everyone was buzzing in the UK because like, oh, for once we don't have to stay up till one o'clock. Yeah. At the same time, when you've got kids, bedtimes, when they're not babies and they're not teenagers, bedtimes are like between seven and half eight. Mm -hmm. So I'm missing this whole bloody show. Oh, what a shame. It's a Saudi show. <laughs> so like everyone listening, I'm, a lot of people listening anyway, will have the same sensation of Twitter muscle memory. There are times when I need to go on a different website for a different bit of information that I feel I need in that moment and I'll just instinctively go to Twitter. Yeah. No matter if there's something I don't want spoiled and I'll go in a 10-minute Twitter hole and I'll think, oh, Christ, what was the thing I was actually l logging on to do? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so on Saturday, I had a dad-daughter day mm -hmm. and it was really nice. I went swimming, went to a restaurant. It was all very nice. And yeah. Then, yeah. Then I caught myself going on Twitter when, like, she was knackered and I could just put her in front of the telly for the last hour before bed. And I went, oh, I didn't mean to see that. And I was like, what did I not mean to see? And I just saw Miz with the phone, and it was like a WWE thing, or someone going, oh, the Miz needs a friend to fight the Mysterios. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, my God, it's Cody. Oh, my God, it's Cody. So I just put it down. I'm thinking, if Cody debuts under these circumstances in Saudi Arabia, I, I, can't, I'm, I need to save it. 
And I watched the whole show and I was, oh, I was disappointed because I realized it's not going to be him because yeah. he would have been there. This is how bad WWE is, right? The Pauls obviously have their fans. Mm-hmm. They obviously have people who like them. Um, everybody else thinks they're complete knobs. They're the worst kind of like new young people because they are like completely tone deaf, insensitive, entitled, rich kids who've got this platform that people like you and myself can't begin to comprehend that they yeah. have. And ev- apart from trying to unionize the UFC, which is just <laughs> a marketing gimmick to get money, by the way, everything they've done or I've heard about them doing between like awful allegations to stuff they were dumb enough to film to just their general dispositions, they are complete knobs. Mm. I think it is generally accepted that the polls, if you do not like them, you kind of think they're complete cocks. The idea being that there's a heel in WWE who's having a conflict with two baby faces and he's outnumbered by these dastardly baby faces, this <laughs> oxymoron that only WWE can con- conjure. And one of them is Rey Mysterio, yeah. the baby face of all baby faces, ganging up on poor The Miz, who himself, <laughs> the character at least, is more close to a Paul than anything else, just this toss pot. And he's going to get his mate, a Paul brother, to help him out in a fight. Yeah, this, this this company is so stupid, and I'm loving it. Just on the Cody thing as well, I love, no matter what people might want to think, sometimes they show... The truth just sort of outs itself from time yes. to time. Um, everybody is excited. Me, you, everybody is excited about Cody in WWE for the sheer chaos my preview can bring. Later. Yeah, like it's a, thanks for the content, mate. Every show now until Cody arrives is going to be is tonight the Cody night. And yet, as soon as there is even the prospect of something bland and rubbish, right, a chicken korma of a debut in terms of Cody Rhodes coming in, of all the things that you could do with him coming into WWE, it would go. Yeah, that actually checks out. I would totally believe that. Yes, like no matter how excited people get. Equally, they can think, oh, they're going to put him in the worst, most possible boring role imaginable. Cody versus Dominic Mysterio at WrestleMania. Yeah, like that's a, people were absolutely willing to go. Like n- Nobody fired back for that for that, in, that gut reaction with, now nah, no chance he's going to be doing something bigger. Yeah. Most people just nodded sagely and went, oh, my God, yeah, possibly. Yeah, that's like, probably what it's going to be. That's, that's WWE. That like, and again, that isn't going to take away from the excitement, but both these things can be true. I think that's the case with yes. Cody. Um, on to the WWE title, which is probably more in the region of where Cody should be arriving in WWE. It was the uh, Elimination Chamber, defending champion Bobby Lashley against AJ Styles, Austin Theory, Seth Rollins, Riddle and Brock Lesnar. Um, we yet again had uh, Lesnar entering last, but then getting it into the chamber as if to just remind you who the stars were. Um, and we started with Rollins and Theory. Um, previously, the point about the Elimination Chamber timing, uh, yeah, I don't want to labour on this loads on this podcast because we've already covered it, but you used to kind of book these things thinking, well, who are the workers? Who are the people that have to, have to go in and do the grunt work before you get to the big spots or the big stars? Or who, are, who do you not want to send out there for 30 minutes or whatever? The 15-minute runtime has done away with any of that. It kind of doesn't... Re- Brock being last is one thing, but otherwise it didn't really matter who mm. goes in. So, you know, AJ Styles, um, Seth Rollins, Riddle and Austin Theory as a collective all did very good work. There was flashes of nice bits from all of them. But, you know, call a spade a spade here. There are there to be props to Brock Lesnar the moment he arrived in the cage. The one moment that obviously um, played into the finish, I guess, was um, the buckle bomb from Seth to uh, Austin Theory through Bobby Lashley's pod, which wrote him out of the match. I didn't mind this, you know. Um, we later found out that Bobby Lashley has been dealing with a shoulder injury since the Royal Rumble. Not off one of the back of those absolutely terrifying suplexes. Yep. And when you think back about it now, he's been pretty much in a suit, cutting the promos the whole time. Um, even the week they baby-faced him in Denver, did he even work? No, I don't think he did. So when you think back now, it kind of yeah. all sort of ties together. Um, and the commentary, obviously, the, the 
people in the building wouldn't have known, but the commentary saying concussion protocol was, I think, chosen by design so that you wouldn't be thinking, well, this is to line up a secret replacement. Nobody's going, here's Cody's spot. You know, it's just, he's out. He's out of the match. Um, so, yeah, you get down to the point where Bobby Lashley would have in fifth, but he's not there anymore. So Brock Lesnar just kicks his way out of his pod in something that we've since found out was a shoot. Yes. He just fancied getting in there early. And if you watch it back, he only kicks, the pod door wasn't gimmicked to properly break. So he kicks it and it kicks about halfway through like a stable door. So he has to step over a shard of like Perspex pod and he could have just gashed his back of his leg or something in the process. But that's what Brock is all about. And this chaos was pretty joyous. Yeah, awesome. You know, your taste may vary on the, the Brock Lesnar brand at this point. But when he's in the mood, it's kind of irresistible viewing, isn't it? He comes in, F5, 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 and all the field are immediately decimated. Shades of uh, Goldberg in 2003 at SummerSlam without having Triple H in the ring to ruin the vibe, yes. basically. So Brock just destroys the whole field, F5 after F5. There is no, not a single bit of teasing or anything in between. They are just gone and out of the way until it is simply him and Austin Theory left. Um, Austin Theory tries at first to escape his certain doom, and they um, reach a nice point where Austin Theory's managed to hit him with a low blow, which Brock sells in a way that um, at very least allows you to buy um, Austin Theory getting the two count that he gets with the, the sort of the, the low DDT that he manages to hit but Brock manages to recover he literally shakes the pain off his bollocks and then Austin Theory has no choice but to try and run he manages to find above one of the pods a hole seemingly big enough to get his live greasy frame out of but Brock manages to catch him pulls him back in F5s him off yeah. the chamber pod to the, well, I don't know what it is now, kind of the, it's an apron more than it is a grid now, but either yeah. way, onto the, the chamber floor below, simply hoys him back in the ring, gets the pin, and then does the selfie motion while celebrating his WWE title victory. Um, yeah, it's never not going to be divisive, this type of Lesnar booking, but I would say you have to take each case on its merits. Sometimes it's horribly uncreative. Sometimes it's Ali being forced to stand at the top yeah. of the ladder for a minute and a half in fear rather than just grabbing a briefcase. Sometimes it's total carnage and you cannot take your eyes off it. I kind of love this. This is awesome. It's br- like, yeah. People might think, oh, AJ Styles and Seth Rollins and Riddle just getting... <laughs> who cares? Yeah. You can't possibly watch this and expect it to be anything else. It's like watching a soap opera and going, why is this a cooking program? Yeah. If you're watching WWE, you know this is what they do with Brock Lesnar. They've been doing it. It's coming up to his 10-year anniversary of his return. Yeah. This is simply how they book Brock Lesnar. Yes, they've done competitive stuff with AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan in the past, but... AJ and Seth have both been at one point or another yes. positioned as guys that yes. could level up to Brock Lesnar. But nine times out of ten, this is the Brock that you get, and it's just absolute foolishness to expect them to like treat Brock Lesnar as the same level. Like, look at him. He's not. Like, don't get annoyed that he, the other people can't level up to him in the storylines because this is WWE. You're, you're watching a soap opera thinking it's a cooking program. That's just the way it is. So on the subject of muscle memory, right, I go on Twitter. I see the Miz doing the phone call. I need a friend. I'm thinking, that's Cody. I can't watch it. I can't watch it. I have to wait for Charlotte to go to bed and then um, just watch from the beginning. I pressed by accident, play live. Do you know you get the option when you... You miss the start of the show, but it's still yes. ongoing, and you log on to the it's network. It's nervy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They say, play live or from the beginning. I just pressed live. I was like, bollocks. But then I saw that it was the chamber match, and I'm thinking, oh, it's the finish because it's just Lesnar and Theory in there. I'll watch it because it's Lesnar. He's a draw. He captivates you. And I'm thinking, they're not going to say, oh, by the way, we're on the finish of this Lesnar match. We're going to talk about Cody Rhodes' return. Yeah. I just knew in my head that if this had happened, it's not the kind of thing they talk about when it's Lesnar in the ring. So I click play live by accident, and then I'm greeted by Brock Lesnar and Austin Theory. 
No exaggeration. If this whole show was as good as those three minutes, it would be the best thing <laughs> that the roster has done since X7. It was phenomenal. It subverted my favorite Elimination Chamber moment ever, which is the Daniel uh, Bryan, Santino Morella mm. moment. But the guy getting the hope spot was the heel kicking someone in the ball. Yeah. Like this outmatched babyface who has so much spirit that he can just get something against the best wrestler in the world. Brock Lesnar killing this guy was so awesome. When Theory ran away, when Lesnar climbed up that chain, <laughs> I was like jumping up and down in delight. I thought, how much of an athlete are you? Yeah. You're, the, you're clearly the best athlete doing this and possibly ever. I watched him when he did that. I'm thinking, you could climb Mount Everest in 10 seconds. <laughs> That's how awesome it looked. It was just incredible. Him smashing Theory's <laughs> head against the, the pain of Perspex. It was like, I'm, if I don't see blood slowly materialize from his head, like, I just thought, no, that's wrong because that's how that's what should be happening yeah. here. F5 off the thing. I thought his <laughs> kneecaps are blown out. <laughs> this is awesome. And then he just kills him. I thought, this three minutes was some of the best Brock Lesnar stuff I've ever seen in my life. It was incredible. And I can understand how they made everyone look like a geek. They did it on Raw. Yeah. They did it on Raw the week before. Like, this is what... Th it was the Brock Lesnar show, and he got a damn good one. Um, I mean, way kinder to the show than I thought, considering it was, you know, a lot of 6 out of 10 action. Apart from Brock, it was a 10 out of 10 almost every time. But I was just so happy with those three minutes of my life. Well, the whole... it's y You nailed sort of, like, the experience of this match, because the whole, like, preceding 12 minutes were to serve the last three. Everyone's a geek until they're not in WWE. Yeah. So anyone that did sort of feel any disappointment for the wrestlers they liked in this one. Sure, like, Riddle, for example, was doing all the Randy Orton spots to build up that. So it wasn't like they were completely neglecting yeah. what you would see week on week. But you know what these are here for. They're warm bodies for Brock. And it doesn't... It's WWE. They would like you to forget certain yeah. details so that come Monday Night Raw, you'll come just... Come Tuesday. Come Monday. You'll just remember... Yeah. Like, oh, there's Riddle again. He's in the thing with Randy Orton, and that's all you need to remember. Um, yeah, I know what you mean. It's uh, I remember sort of, again, stream notwithstanding, coming away from the show thinking, well, I know I wasn't electrified by it, but I don't think I've had a bad time. Yeah. So a strange one. that, And, of course, you've got the graphic at the end. Um, I should say, obviously, Bianca Belair and Becky Lynch was now confirmed off the show, as was uh, Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar, title for title, which WWE have since confirmed there is going to be actually both belts on the line because people immediately got nervous that they were going to get ripped off. Yes. Again, because that's what WWE makes you feel. Those are our thoughts on Elimination Chamber 2021. You can give us yours at what culture WWE on Twitter. If you want to follow either of us, you can get Michael Sidgwick at... M. Sidgwick. You can get me at Michael Hamflit. Um, and I never know how to end these podcasts, so I'll just say that we will see you soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.